This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Yun at the Sakasana United Methodist Church, January 24th, 2021. The message is Courage to Press On, based on Philippians 3, 10 to 16. It's good to be with you this morning. Would you join me as I pray? Loving, gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this beautiful day. We thank you for this time of worship that brings us together in your name. Oh God, as we listen to the words of Scripture this morning, open our hearts and minds to your Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here's a story. A taxi passenger taps the driver on the shoulder to ask him a question. The driver screams and loses control of the, of the car, nearly hits a bus, goes up on the footpath, and stops an inch from a shop window. It was a close call. At first second, everything goes quiet in the cab. Then the driver says, look, don't ever do that again. You scared the daylights out of me. The passenger apologizes and says, I didn't realize that a little tap would scare you so much. The driver replies, sorry, it's not really your fault. Today is my the first day as a cab driver, and I've been driving a funeral van for the last 25 years. Well, this is a story about the power of habit, the power of what you do consistently. As I begin this sermon, I want to invite you to think of things that you've been doing on a regular basis, whether it's a couple of months or several years. What are those things in your life that you keep on keeping on? Whatever the reason or motivation is, you do it no matter what, and you do it faithfully whether other people recognize it or not. I know some of our church family make themselves available to go serve as volunteers on a weekly basis to, to help those in, in need in our community uh, in the midst of this pandemic. Those are all wonderful things. Now think about whether there is anything that you're doing on a regular basis and still requires the courage to do it. Is there anything that you're doing regularly and still requires courage to do it? Remember an insightful quote from George Patton I shared with you last Sunday? The courage is fear holding on a minute longer. Again, courage doesn't mean you have no fear. Courage means being afraid or uncomfortable and, but acting anyway. That's what courage is about. Courage is there for not a lack of fear, but the act of overcoming fear. Friends, what are the things in your life that you have been doing for a long time still demand courage to do it? Think for a moment. For me, it is preaching. Even though I preach a sermon almost every Sunday, I need the courage to preach. I have to ask God, for the courage to preach the good news of Christ. Because I know we leave our lives being surrounded by bad news. Almost seven days a week. 
You know, we are surrounded by, you know, overflowing bad news that makes us sad and frustrated, depressed, even angry. It really takes the courage to preach the good news when all we hear seem depressing and bad news. It takes, the preach, it takes the courage to preach the truth of kingdom of God and speak the biblical truth about Christian life and discipleship because I'm aware that there are times when I don't fully live up to the truth I preach myself. I need the courage because I fully know that sometimes I fail to live out that truth as a pastor, as a Christian, no matter how hard I try. And this is why we need the courage to press on, the courage to keep on keeping on in the face of challenge. Last Sunday we read the Paul's letter to Christians in Ephesus. Where we talked about the courage to be courageous. In this letter, Paul challenges our view of what it means to be strong and courageous. By drawing on the imagery of full armor of God, which Tammy also explained in her children's message this morning. Paul reminds us that our true protection against evil and pain in this world not depend on, on those physical tools, weapons like sword and, and, and spear, but on truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation, and the Word of God which ultimately refers to the strength of God's power. And our job is simply to claim it as our own and to choose the courage to be courageous. Many of us can remember times in our childhood, also our adulthood, when we would have liked to act courageously. You know, we couldn't take the courage. Maybe we, we were in a timid spirit. Maybe we thought that courage belongs to a certain group of people, like a special individuals like Martin Luther King Jr., but not ordinary people like us. But friends, as Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but God gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The courage is not just for special folks, but for all followers of Christ. Again, courage comes in many shapes and sizes. What it means to take the courage to may look different from one person to another. But through this message, I hope and pray that God gives each of you a spirit of discernment to figure out the courage you need to take at this moment of your life. I pray that through this worship service, God gives you the courage to look honestly at the, at the areas of your life where you're living in a spirit of fear and timidity. The areas of your life where you need to live with greater courage. Especially the courage to press on. The courage to press on is about the courage that allows you to endure in the face of adversity and suffering and persevere with faith and dignity. The question is, what makes us press on? What encourages us to take the courage to press on? And what discourages us to live with the courage to keep on keeping on? The Bible is filled with stories of people who showed 
there's such courage. You can name it as we did last Sunday. This morning we turn to Paul's letter once again to find an answer. And here's the main point of my message today. The courage to, to press on is grounded in our relationship with Christ. What encourages the courage to press on is our desire, our goal to know Christ. In this letter to his fellow Christians in Philippi, Paul explains what it means by knowing Christ. And the courage to press on is, is discouraged when we are stuck in what is behind and fail to see what lies ahead, which is to win the heavenly prize that God is calling us for through Jesus Christ. So let's begin with what encourages us to take the courage to press on. What we can learn from Paul's letter, more fundamentally from his own life, is that it is our goal that sustains the courage to press on. For Paul, his deepest desire, the most ultimate goal of his life was to know Christ. In verse 10 he writes, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. That was his confession. Why would he say that? I mean, he was the, uh, one of the apostles. He preached the gospel of Christ in all of the places. And he said, I want to know Christ. Didn't he know Christ when he, he wrote this letter? In the book of Acts, Paul encounters the resurrected Christ and hears his voice calling him on his way to Damascus. And that experience completely transformed his identity and his life. He turned his heart to Christ, and since then he had dedicated his life to, to spread the gospel of Christ. He surely knew Christ in that regard. But for Paul, to know Christ didn't mean to gain an intellectual knowledge, a knowledge of who Christ was. For him it was embodied knowledge, the knowledge that becomes a part of who you are through your experience, participation, devotion, and commitment. For Paul, to know Christ was a life goal, a sense of purpose that motivated him to keep on keeping on. After he decided to follow Jesus Christ, Paul went through all kinds of trials and tribulations. Initially, he had to face distrust and misunderstanding from his fellow Christians. He was ostracized and hated by his old Jewish friends. In his mission trips, he had to face excruciating poverty, imprisonment, threats from all uh, different groups, authorities, including the Roman Empire, and even life-threatening storms. When Paul wrote this letter and said, I want to know Christ, he was in prison. Although he was writing from prison, his heart was filled with sense of joy and purpose. How? How was it possible? The whole world seemed hostile to him and to his fellow Christians. It's not really a safe place, safe reality to live through. What's amazing about his confession is, though, that it expresses his ultimate goal and desire. And this is what sustains his courage to press on, even in the face of adversity and trials. 
Paul shares the ultimate desire and purpose of his life with his fellow Christians who were discouraged by his imprisonment and by what they were facing in their lives. And, he, and, and Paul empowers them and reminds them of the way to take the courage to press on. In verse 10, Paul goes on to explain exactly what he means by knowing Christ. He talks about three things. First, it means to, to know the power of Christ's resurrection. Second, to participate in Christ's suffering, to be a partner in His suffering. And third, to become more like Christ in His death. And each of these three points deserve a, a, a sermon series in its own. But I would like us to reflect on these ideas in terms of our own life and our current reality as we continue to live through this health crisis and political unrest and division. The question is, are we clear about these goals as Christians? Are we really clear about these goals as Christians? Do we have a clear vision for the ultimate purpose of our place and our presence? Because that's what undergirds our courage to press on, the courage to keep on keeping on even in the face of adversity, situations, and suffering. I'm sure many of you, especially the members of our congregational care team, would know or agree that the last three months have been one of the most difficult times we went through as a congregation in the recent history of this church. Less than three months, we lost many church members and leaders, our beloved friends and our precious church family. You know, every death is unexpected in nature, but the losses we have experienced over the last couple of months were all beyond a surprise and shock. One loss after another, it was overwhelming. It's been truly heartbreaking, and I know some of you are still struggling with it. Many of you are processing the losses as you reach out to the bereaved family and to support them and pray for them. As psychologists say, when grief becomes a normal reality, there is almost this shell, bubble of protection that in, in, in envelopes you. Your sense become a bit numb from the shock of seeing people die and losing people over and over. There's a disconnect between what's happening and what you're feeling. And this is exactly what people in a war zone experience. But at some point, that shell begins to lose its thickness, and that's when the intensity of feelings permeates your bubble. That's when the impact is felt. That's when you are struck by the harsh reality of loss and grief. And I pray that each of you receive comfort and support, understanding that you need as you go through your own grief process, so that you might be able to express grief in healthy ways, not holding back, not pretending as if the loss had not occurred. And most importantly, share each other's grief and respect the way each person grieves. We know this is a beginning step to find healing and comfort. And Paul reminds us in this letter is that what ultimately 
keeps us courageous in the face of death and, and loss is to know Christ. To know Christ, especially to know the power of Christ's resurrection. Remember the three anxiety we humans should face, according to Paul Tillich, the German theologian? One of, the, one of them was the anxiety of fate and death. And Paul's message speaks to it directly. The only antidote to this particular anxiety and fear is to know Christ, who has overcome death and the human fate. To know the power of His resurrection. To know that we have the same resurrection power living within us through Jesus Christ. Because of this resurrection power, we can endure difficulties. We can press through pain and suffering. We can fight in the face of loss and grief. We can bounce back even when others might think all is lost. This is the resurrection power. And this is the very power that undergirds our courage to press on. It's not our power, but the power of Christ's resurrection that keeps us move on. I'm sure many of you heard the news about the passing of Hank Aaron this past Friday. He was an African-American Major League Baseball player who broke the Babe Ruth home run record, which was 714. But his journey to 715 home run was quite complex and challenging, as many of you know. When he was about to break the record, he started receiving death threats and hate mail from all of the places. They even threatened to harm his family. And later he wrote uh, what he went through at the moment in his memoir. He wrote, he was living like an outcast in his own country. He had nowhere to go except home and to the ballpark, to the ballpark and to home. He felt like a prisoner in his own apartment. He felt like a guy in a fishbowl, swimming from side to side with nowhere to go, watching people watch him. But this tribulation didn't stop him from pursuing his goal. He was convinced that he was doing something that God had given him the power to do. In the midst of what he was facing, Aaron kept feeling more and more strongly that he had to break the record, not only for himself, but for other black players and for black people. He had a clear vision and stayed on it. It was the power of resurrection that bounced him back in the midst of all that suppressed him. And, and it was the clear goal that he had to sustain his courage to press on. The goal that allowed him to suffer with people of color. To suffer with Christ in the reality of racism and racial discrimination. He wasn't stuck in the past of racial reality. But looked forward to what lies ahead. Oftentimes what discourages the courage to press on is our mindset. Our mindset to be stuck in what's behind, to be stuck in the past. But if we examine the, this mindset carefully, we come to realize that it is based on faulty assumption. The assumption that the things will never change, things won't be different even in the future. This assumption tells us that future is fixed, 
So change is impossible. Whatever you do, whatever you strive for is meaningless and, and, and purposeless. What happens when we buy this assumption is that we get enslaved by the past, which may, many people tend to romanticize or idealize. So we fail to see what lies ahead, the new reality, what God has in store for us in the future. This is why Paul says these words in verse 13, One thing I do is to forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. In the Bible version message, it goes like this. I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back to take other path or to find easy road. Because of this goal we have in Christ, we're not turning back. Even in the face of difficulties ahead of us. We're not stopping our race of faith despite what we are facing in this world, no matter how challenging it might be. We take the courage to press on, to keep focused on the goal, to know Christ, to know the power of His resurrection, and to participate in His suffering, and to become more like Him. Friends, we know there are moments when we are discouraged, or frightened by what we face and, and question the meaning of the race we are running. There are moments when we feel frustrated, even hopeless, with all the unfavorable circumstances surrounding us. But remember what granted Paul the courage to press on was his clear sense of, of vision, the, the sense of purpose and goal for his life and ministry. In the same way, what encourages us to stand back up even when we stumble is to have a clear sense of purpose and goal that is to know Christ, to know the power of His resurrection, to be a partner in Christ's suffering through love, and to become more like Christ through our self-discipline. Remember, Christ doesn't call us to be successful in what we do, but to be faithful. To the, to the goals set for us. This morning, I invite you to honestly examine the areas of your life where you are currently living in a spirit of fear or timidity. I invite you to discern the areas of your life where you need to take the courage to press on. What is God calling you to do today, my friends? This could be your hopes and goals for the new year. And I want to say thank you to those who share their hopes and prayers for 2021. And if you haven't got a chance to think about it, I invite you to consider it as you reflect on today's message. What are the goals you need to stick with this year? What would the courage to press on look like as you seek to stay the course to reach the goal? Spend some time reflecting on these areas and ask God to guide you in the course of this year. I pray that God clear your vision so you could keep focused on the goal set for your course, my friends. I pray, I pray that you continue to experience Christ's resurrection power to be a partner in His suffering, to go all the way with Christ, to be more like Him. God grant you the courage to press on and stay the course to reach the goal even in the face of obstacles and darkness. 
I would like to close my sermon with the powerful words of young poet Amanda Gorman, who spoke at the inauguration ceremony this past Wednesday. Her words well summarize my message today. Not only her words, but also what she had gone through due to her disability and her speech impediment shows what it means to live with the courage to press on. So listen to her words. When, the, when day comes as we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame, unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light if only we are brave enough to see it. If only we are brave enough to be it. 